let all of you know, I was reminded this last week that uh, on November 17th, 2002, Pastor Randy went on to be with the Lord, and I'm celebrating 14 years of herding sheep. 14 years of herding sheep, practice every day at my house, in a smaller sister congregation, but that is my job, to herd the sheep, to thank the Lord for the sheep that he's given me. And so, it is an honor and a privilege, you know, and uh, it, even in the scriptures, it talks about a woman can be a shepherdess. She can lead and, and instruct and do things. Uh, you'll see that in the Bible as well, but uh, thankful for my, my wife and everything that uh, we're still married. Amen. And um, yeah, it's, it's a miracle. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to be a statistic. And, uh, but yeah, just contemplating, looking back on 14 years, how many of you know that it's not about the destination? How many of you know it's about the journey? And I see a lot of new faces. There's new people here, and you're just coming to Beit Tehila. You're just getting to know Beit Tehila. And uh, I want to share with you Beit Tehila's journey, the Hebrew road. Uh, how many of you know that's one way of overcoming the enemy? It's through your testimony. So I would like to begin to just share this awesome message with you to inspire you, to let you know that we're not the new kid on the block, amen? Beit Tehillah has done its time, and we're still doing our time. And so we are a force to be reckoned with. We are a congregation to be reckoned with, especially in the times in which we live. I believe this is a mighty congregation for a purpose, for Yahweh. Uh, it's not just your average church or community. I really believe that there is a high calling in this place. Uh, and we answer to Yahweh. We answer to God. And so we want to please Him. Amen. So basically, if you stop and look at this community of Beit Tehila, we can probably go back to 1991. Amen. If you go back to 1991 and you see the beginning stages of something great uh, that keeps getting greater and greater, uh, we can build on this. How many of us kind of like prophecy? Prophecy is a lot of fun in hindsight. You know what I'm saying? We can go back and look at this prophecy and that prophecy and this prophecy in hindsight, and we are so secure in ourselves. And then after that, it's all speculation. And uh, Peter even says, you know, prophecy is of no private interpretation. How many of you know that there's a lot of interpretations of prophecies out there? Eschatology, right? I mean, from A to Z, everybody's got to figure it out, and nobody's in agreement post-pre-mid-tribulation, post-pre-mid-rapture. I mean, there's just, it's a buffet of prophecies. But prophecy is of no private interpretation. So I'm 49 years of age, and um, I'm waiting for the Jubilee next year. I really need it. But I want to look back and reflect upon some awesome things about this community. Amen. It's quite incredible, if you ask me. It's, it's quite impressive. Uh, I'm impressed. I think it's just really cool how the Father works. Amen. Daughters of Zion Dance Ministry in 1992. Amen. Now I'm going to speak on behalf of Pastor Tikva, and then she's going to correct me later. Amen. There will be this version, the director's cut, and then there will be an edited version. But I want to speak on behalf of uh, her and Pastor Randy. But, you know, the dance ministry called Daughters of Zion, which, of course, evolved 
into tabernacles of praise. Amen. So this congregation, this community started out as a dance team. Amen. Dance ministry. Have you ever heard of Davidic dance? Raise your hand if you've heard of Davidic dance. Okay. Amen. I find it interesting, especially back in 1992. And when all of this is happening, I'm, in, in, in hindsight, I'm looking back myself. And, of course, I didn't know the Dreyer family back then. But I find it interesting, if you look at 1992, in March of 1992, I was born again. I got saved. Amen? I got saved. I got born again in March of 92. And here, here's the father working over here on this dance ministry, right? Because what is the father going to do? He's going to save me. And then he's going to say, and then you're going to dance. Now, some of you are chair dancers. I respect that. You don't really want to get out of your chair. You say, I got two left feet and this and that. And that's fine. I respect that. But what I want to submit to you is this. Is dancing popular in our culture? It's a counterfeit. So you think you can dance. Dancing with the stars. Sound familiar? So, so as you see what's going on in the culture, the Father's doing something too. It's, it's not just coincidence. There's a reason for all of this. Because we serve the God of restoration. We serve the God of regathering and restoring. And, and so I want to submit to you that dancing is in the Bible. And how many of you, there's a right way to dance and there's a wrong way to dance. And so as you see, it's kind of funny. I like to watch the new people as we get up and hold hands and we're getting ready to dance. They're not really paying attention a whole lot because they're in a whole other atmosphere. They're in another room. And I love it because they'll come up and they'll get up here and they're thinking it's a prayer circle. Look at everybody getting up to pray. Well, I'm going to pray. And then they say, do the Mayams to the left, do a Turkazia. I'm in the wrong line. You know what I'm saying? You laugh. This is true. It's probably you. So I'm only sharing this because I love to worship God. I play the guitar. I sang and everything. And, and, and uh, Pastor Tifa introduced me to worshiping the Lord through the dance changed my life. Amen. You'll notice I was up here doing congregational dance, and my wife dances, my children dance. Uh, David danced before the Lord. If David can dance, we can dance. And there's something about it that just sets us free. It gets rid of that religious spirit. It gets rid of that angry spirit. It gets just rid of that, you know, no fun spirit. Because sometimes you run into each other. I don't know about you guys, but I've been here 14 years and in, in, in serving, and I don't see angry people dancing. Do you see angry people dancing? You can't help but smile. Amen? You don't see angry, angry people dancing. You don't see that. You see, <laughs> you run into each other. It's fun. That's the way it should be, everybody. Church better be fun or I'm not coming in here. Don't you be a party pooper. So Pastor Randy and Pastor Tifa began to study the Bible and read the Bible, and they started discovering things through an epiphany, through revelation. How many understand what I'm saying? Back in the 90s, these are, this is a non-Jewish family. And let's go to the next slide. They discovered the Shabbat. They said, wow, it's one of the Ten Commandments. We should be doing the Shabbat from Friday night to Saturday. Here's a husband and wife with their two daughters. We should be doing the Shabbat. They discovered it. They started doing it. Changed their life. Amen? Other people would join in. 
course, you'll see in this picture, this is Rabbi Ariel. Early on, they started to get their Hebrew roots and running in and making contacts. That got the ball rolling, amen? Then, of course, we have Yom Kippur sitting all at the table there. Moving forward, amen. We have, of course, uh, that's Pastor Randy and Pastor Tifa there. We have, of course, the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, the Feast of Tabernacles. So they get into the Word of God. They discover the, the, the Sabbath and the feast days, and it, they started celebrating it. They just tried to figure it out, you know, and got some books and started just, just like we all did, amen. This is fascinating because this is back in the 90s. And so... We serve a God of restoration and regathering. And, and the, th the interesting thing is, we always criticize what we don't understand. And, and this is a lot of the backlash with our community. People criticize us because they don't understand. See, there's nothing new under the sun, everybody. And so what's happening is, and I'll even read this to you, in Hosea chapter 2, 11, it says, I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. So these things were taken away from us. See, they've always been there, but they were taken away. And, and, and we've been told, oh, they've been done away with. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. So now that we discover these things, we begin to do them. I love the Jewish people. They don't care about what you believe. They want to know what you're doing. They don't care what you believe, but what are you doing? And so we, we see this experience of, of the Sabbath and, and the feast days, and, and it's kind of interesting, too, even in regard to Paul in Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Here's Paul talking. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Wow, look at what he's saying here. Holy day, new moon, Sabbath days. Don't let nobody judge you. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. See, it's all about a person. It's all about Yeshua. The feast days are prophetic. And I don't have time to get into all of it, but the bottom line is that if you go back and look at these feast days, the spring feasts have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled. We just celebrated the fall feast. They have yet to be fulfilled. Any basic Christian should understand this, that Jesus fulfilled those spring feasts. He will return and fulfill the fall feasts. He fulfills them. We participate. We don't fulfill anything. We're simply rehearsing what he's going to do. That's faith. So I, I've had the honor and the privilege of celebrating the feast days for over 20 years. As a single person, as a married couple, uh, as a couple with children in this community, and, and I'm constantly spreading the word about the feast days to my pastor friends, how relevant it is for today, that it's life-changing. I believe if the church started celebrating the feast, there would be revival. It would begin the ball rolling because it's incredible. How many of you enjoy the feast and celebrated them? It's just, it's like, it's like a drug. I got to have my feast, man. I got to have my Shabbat. You're like a junkie. It's terrible, you know? And, 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 and so there's just something about it. And so we know that we have counterfeit pagan holidays 
because that's typical, right? Amen. We, we have those. But if you go back to the original feast days and the Sabbath, that's what we should be celebrating. But there's something in us that wants to pate and celebrate. And we feel like, well, you know, if I don't celebrate these pagan holidays, I don't have any holidays. Go back to the feast days. Go back to the Shabbat. Matter of fact, it even says in 1 Corinthians 5, I love this. I share this with, with all my friends. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, and he says this. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. See how he's looking at them? You are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He's talking about Pesach, Passover, to the Corinthian church, the church of Corinth. Verse 8, therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we're not celebrating Easter, we're celebrating Passover. Does everybody understand that? That's what we're celebrating, and that's when you receive communion. It, it goes back to the first century church, it, and that's really what we're trying to model here at Beit Going back to the first century church, what did it look like? What was it about, amen? The biggest thing is it's about relationships. It's not about going to a service and easing your conscience, amen? It's time. It's time for the feasts. In Isaiah 66, it's interesting. Here's a prophecy. And remember, prophecy is of no private interpretation. Listen, I only need two people to be excited. Only two. I just want two people, and I'm going to keep going. Otherwise, I'm going to go watch Ohio State beat Michigan. Some of you didn't like that. I just lost you. I know. Sorry about that. Here's Isaiah 66, 23. I'm going to read this to you. Here's a prophecy about the feast days. This is what's so cool. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. We got to quit saying, well, that's the Old Testament. That's for the Jews. Oh, really? All flesh. What well, part of that don't you understand? You need to get off Facebook and get your face in this book. Oh, man, I just got unfriended. I've unfriended so many people in the last 15 minutes. Who cares? I'm God's friend. I'm a friend of God. He'll never unfriend me. He sent his son to be my friend. We've got to get into the word and let the word get into you. And you can just take that verse and mull it over, mull it over, just chew on it. Wow. See, we have the faith to believe that what we do today, we'll do tomorrow. That's called faith. What about in Ezekiel? I need another witness. Somebody give me another witness. Yeah. I'll give you Isaiah, but give me another witness. Somebody give me a witness. Ezekiel 46. Look at this millennial temple. This big temple is going to be put up that nobody's ever even seen. The dimensions or even seen anything like this before in life. Ezekiel 46.1. Thus saith the Lord God, the gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days. But on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. Now, we try to figure out how all this is going to come about, but it's not even the point. The point is it's going to happen. I had the opportunity 
to be on the Temple Mount back in the 90s. I had the opportunity to actually go into the Dome of the Rock. That's an incredible place, man. That place is anointed. That area, the whole Temple Mount, you can just feel the presence of God. To see that rock that Abraham was going to offer up Isaac and all these things, it just blew my mind. And I was actually able to go where the eastern gate is today, okay, across from the Garden of Gethsemane, across the Kidron Valley. I got to go on the other side of that eastern gate that you look at, on the other side, and see 25 feet below that is the original eastern gate. Incredible feeling that, wow, I know Jesus walked through those gates. He did. So it's a rich history, amen? So it's important. It's important. You know, when you, when you follow God's calendar, it changes your life. You're on his calendar now, not your calendar. You're on his calendar. The blowing of the shofar. The blowing of the shofar. How many of you just grew up with your grandparents and your parents and had shofars? Nobody, pretty much, unless you got three generations of those in the Hebrew roots. But, but how many of you know that my grandparents didn't blow the shofar? I didn't know what a shofar was. I knew shofar, show good. That's all I knew. I didn't know what a shofar was. All of a sudden, this thing appears, a ram's horn. Kudo, you know. You know, you got this horn. Never in the history of the church or anything have you ever even heard or seen such a thing, except among the Jewish people. And all of a sudden, how many of the shofars in the church? I want you to understand something. Nothing's by accident. So the law first mentioned would tell us what? The first time the shofar was ever blown, the shofar was at Mount Sinai, Exodus 19.16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Amen? And the voice of the trumpet. Who blew the trumpet? God. And he married the children of Israel, Mount Sinai. So what I want to submit to you, even in the times in which we live in a decaying culture and, and no one has a platform of morals and values or a cabinet position for that, to say the least, he is summoning the bride today. He's telling her to get ready. That's why we open up the service with the blowing of the shofar. It's also to cause an alarm or an assembly. as many, many reasons, but, but, but the main purpose is to awaken the bride. Amen? So we know with this blowing of the shofar, we have the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. Once again, the Torah at Mount Sinai. So once again, we're seeing the Dreyer family. They're going to they're going to head down the Hebrew road. So they're introduced to Rabbi Ariel and some Hebrew root stuff. And here he is actually, Rabbi Ariel is actually holding a, a Torah scroll that, that he had, amen. He's Jewish and he's just sharing this stuff. But it's like an introduction to the Dreyer family. Look at this Torah scroll, amen. You're not going to see where they get the Torah until just a little bit later in the understanding. You know, It's kind of like that saying, you know, Grandma said that if I play along the riverbank long enough, I'm going to get wet. And that's what happens. And so this is back in the early 90s. So 
We're going to basically look at eight places that Beit Tehillah has been to before we arrived here. Now, here's an interesting question, a little trivia for you. How many encampments did Israel have to go to before entering the promised land? 42. Now, can we all just get an amen that we only went to eight places? Because I remember traveling around thinking, Lord, please don't let us be like Israel. 42, no, 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 please, no, don't do it. So the first meeting place was, of course, at 1200 Lithia Pinecrest Road. It's kind of interesting. That's the very home that my wife and I are renting from her mother and everything, upkeeping it, keeping it up and everything. And it's like a parsonage, so we're, we're in there with our family. It's, it's funny how Beit Tehillah started there, and now we're back there, my wife and I, uh, of course, after uh, 17 years of marriage. But check that out. First meeting place. It was so cool. You could see me in the background playing the guitar. Those were the good old days. I could play a song, reach over, take a bite out of a sandwich, put it back. But how many of you know it's time to move on? It's time to grow. It's time to stretch out the tent pegs. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about you guys, but I can't see 50 children at my house. I have to see seven, and that's just too many. We're going to have to expand our tent pegs or something. Triple bunk beds, I don't know. So this is our first meeting place in the home. And it's interesting, too, because I was actually attending a uh, Baptocostal type of church, and uh, I had to call the pastor and kind of let him know that, hey, you know, I'm going to be leaving the assembly. I want to thank you for all that you've done for me and all that you did. And actually, we're going to start meeting in the home, and we're starting a home church and uh, sort of sharing with him. And he goes, he goes, son, you don't want to do that. Son, he goes, don't you know you're going down the Hebrew road? I kid you not. And I said, that's the road I want. <laughs> it was so funny. And I smiled when he said it. Son, don't you know you're going down the Hebrew road? And I'm like, well, that's the road I took. That's the road I'm on. You've heard of the Roman road, right? The Roman road to salvation. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. And that God raises that you shall be saved. Nothing, no, nothing wrong with that, amen. But I mean, the Hebrew road is before the Roman road. And just a quick little Reader's Digest condensed version of, of my quick journey into a quick learning little son, you know, for the father. It's, it's just, you know, here I was, uh, a backslidden Catholic. I wasn't practicing. I had an experience in my apartment. Uh, it was like the Holy Spirit, a mighty rushing wind. I confessed with my mouth, believed in my heart. God saved me. My whole life was changed. He, uh, he took me to First Baptist Church of Pleasant Grove. Uh, when you go from Catholicism to being a Baptist, tell me there's a culture shock. <laughs> Quick little story. I'm in the Baptist church. I'm just checking it out. I'm just loving, loving life, loving God, loving being free, loving Jesus. I mean, I'm witnessing to everybody, amen. I don't care if you're a stranger, a squirrel, a blue jay. Man, I was witnessing Jesus to you. So I'm in the Baptist church, and I look up, and I see the wooden cross. I don't see Jesus on the cross. So I was brought up to see Jesus on the cross. And so how I many that we all have to go through, you know, the reprogramming and different things we're going to see. And I went up to the pastor after the service, and I said, Pastor, where's Jesus? He's not on the cross. Where is he? He goes, you silly boy. He's risen. And I went, I left that service like, that's awesome. That's right. Why do I keep putting him back up there? He died for me once and for all. So I'm driving home thinking, man, that's the coolest thing I've discovered just now. Yeah, he's not on the cross. He's risen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So we do a little dancing in the living room. Amen. We still do a little dancing. See that? A little congregational dancing. See that? A little circle, right? 
little circle turns into a big circle, right? So we're worshiping in the living room. Isn't that the coolest thing? Once again, you can see uh, the next picture. You can see Danielle and Dina. See them off to the right there? I think Dina went into the Federal Witness Protection Program just now. My wife's over with the children, so we can just show as many pictures of my wife as we can. My beautiful bride-to-be. But here we are dancing and praising God in the living room. Amen. Just move the furniture back and let's dance. Isn't that the coolest thing? All right. Then we have some more revelation. Here we are out on the patio celebrating Pesach or Passover. We're doing a, uh, a Seder. How many of you are familiar with the Passover Seder? If you'll see the woman closest to the picture, that, of course, is Batya Wooten. And right above her is Angus Wooten. Are you familiar with Batya and Angus Wooten? Amen. Nice couple. Who is Israel and why you need to know? They're one of the founders uh, of the two-house teaching of, of Ephraim and Judah and interesting things that are happening. So we're in the living room. How many of you outgrow the living room? Just by a little bit. Just a little bit, you outgrow the living room. So we go to our second meeting place, which is, of course, Crosswalk Community. This is actually located off of uh, Bloomingdale High School, right across from Bloomingdale High School, uh, over there by Celebration Church. You'll see a a church there that's kind of abandoned uh, even now. But that was our second meeting place, Crosswalk Community. And uh, they were called Team Ministries Training Center. And uh, that was our second meeting place. And we actually uh, invited Paul Wilbert to come uh, to our second meeting place, Crosswalk Community Church. And you'll see a picture of uh, Paul Wilbert with uh, Pastor Randy and Teak Vadryer. Amen. How many of you know Paul Wilbur? Amen. Awesome. Isn't he awesome? So there's Paul Wilbur and just had a good old time and, and meeting in there and everything. And uh, the next picture, you'll see him. Of course, Paul Wilbur playing the guitar. Just a great man of God. Amen. And uh, he's got a fascinating testimony as well. And here we are out in the uh, sanctuary. Next picture where, of course, what are we doing? We're dancing. If you dance in the living room, you're going to dance over here. And there's room for flags. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have room for flags in the living room. We got to put all the lamps down, you know. But here we had room for, for, for flags. Does everybody see that? You know, praise is important in the last days. Praise is what pushes out the enemy. If, if someone said to me, Pastor Nick, you have a choice in your service. You can give an awesome message and preach the word of God and preach the word, or you can praise the Lord. I would pick praise the Lord every time. I would pick praise and worship every time. Why? Because the worshipers always went out first in battle. Do you remember those stories? Because yeah. nobody gets the glory but him. The word's important. But Adam was created to praise God. So the very breath that was given to Adam, he gives back. We give back in praise. Amen? Go back to, to the Garden of Eden. You're nothing but a dirt ball. You're just a dirt ball until he breathed into you. And then you became a living soul. Go back and read it for yourself. We're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you die, your spirit goes to God who gave it. See, that's why it's so important that you understand this. This is just the basics. Now we make our way to our third meeting place, 
the Methodist church. How many of you love the Methodists? Any Methodists in the house? That's right. This is the Methodist church located right off of 301. I don't know the exact name or whatever, but they actually allowed us on Saturday nights to use their dining hall. The pastor thought it was the coolest thing that we were doing our Hebrew roots, and he said, I would like to open up the the dining hall to you guys, and and he, of course, had a meeting with his elders, and and they okayed it. So here we are uh, with with our banners. Do you see the banners and everything? Can you pick anybody out in those pictures? Maybe we can just blow those things up, huh? Get Pastor Russell, put them real big. Then I'll have to have marriage counseling. So once again, these are the dancers. Do you see where this is going? Do you see why there's dancing in here? Do you see the banners on the walls? Thanks to Linda Carter. Do you see the banners? Do you see that they're tribes? They're not opinions, right? I think I'm going to put a, we should, we should put a big banner right here. Let's make Israel great again. Oh, some of you didn't get that. I have secret, I have a hidden agenda, secret motives. So this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is back in 1998. So we're moving forward. Everybody's getting older. Hairline's receding. We're getting older. Amen. Thank God for the Methodist. Praise God. Here's our fourth meeting place, Tampa Bay Christian Center. How many of you are familiar with Tampa Bay Christian Center? This is our fourth meeting place. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's, a, I think it's Catholic right now. How many of you heard of Alifaya Village um, I guess it's a facility, assisted living, Alafaya Village. Next door is, is of course, uh, Tampa Bay Christian Center. This is, of course, uh, located down Kings Avenue, behind Big Lots and back in there. This is actually where um, my wife and I got married in this church. The interesting thing about this particular uh, church in year 1999 um, Danielle and I got married July 24th, 1999. Uh, that same year, uh, thanks to Rabbi Ralph Messer and Maureen Messer, uh, we uh, received the Torah, amen, officially started the Torah cycle in the fall of 1999. Raise your hand if you remember that. Ms. Davis remembers that. Tony and Sherry, amen. Jane, Ruth. And praise God. So, so basically what happened is we, we started doing the Torah portions. Pastor Randy went out to Colorado to Simcot Torah, Beit Midrash. He received the Torah portions. We're going to start doing the Torah portions. So we're actually in our 18th Torah cycle. Isn't that the coolest thing? So once again, for those of you that are new, the Torah portions are uh, broken up into, into you know, portions. It's uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Starts in the fall, after the fall feasts, and it's one cycle, and it, of course, takes you uh, all the way through those first five books of the Bible. And we believe that the Torah means teachings and instructions, okay? Uh, it's teachings and instructions. If you want to teach Torah in less than five minutes, simply look up the word, look up the word law. It'll take you to the Hebrew root word yara, and it means teachings and instructions. It means to flow as water. It means to point out as if by aiming the finger. And so we are blessed to have a Torah scroll. Amen. Does everybody see that Torah scroll decorated with the breastplate of the tribes? Does everybody see that? Uh, This particular 
Torah survived the Holocaust. Uh, we got it from Poland. It's over 65 years old. Because God's word, right, will never come back null and void. It's everlasting. So, so this Torah scroll, you know, being in a church, people want to say, show me a sign of the last days, Pastor Nick. Show me a sign. It's sitting right there in the ark looking at you. How many that we respect God's word? How many of the word became flesh and dwelt among us? And what was that word? Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus is the word that was made flesh. And so we have a beautiful Torah scroll, amen? In Hosea 8, 12, it's something interesting here. And, and some of you are having conversations with people about the Torah. And maybe you can relate to this particular scripture Hosea 8.12, and by the way, the book of Hosea was written before 722 B.C., before the northern kingdom went into captivity. This is just biblical history. How many of you are familiar with the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom? The northern kingdom was taken up into Assyria, amen, and the, the southern kingdom, of course, went into Babylon. Uh, but let me read to you Hosea 8.12. Uh, once again, this is a letter uh, written to the northern kingdom. They did not heed the call. They went into captivity. But we are coming back. Look at Hosea 8.12. I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Amen. The Torah is a strange thing to the church because they believe it's been done away with. It's because of the misunderstanding. Amen. It's teachings and instructions. How many of you understand that? We don't have to do anything. We get to do it. Amen. While people are debating and arguing over the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and everything else, we have the Torah, amen? And we know where a theocracy can go south real quick with Sharia law and all these other things. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Torah has changed my life. The Torah has made me a better person. The Torah makes you a better person. Because in the Torah, it talks about how to treat one another. It talks about how to respect one another even when it comes to your personal items. So, so this is an interesting time. And my wife and I, of course, we got married in this church. We were very thankful for that. And here's some worshiping in Tampa Bay Christian Center. Of course, you see, what do you see? More flags, more circle dancing. It just won't go away, folks. Do you know what the glass, you know what that, what they talk about in Revelation? Sea of glass. That's a dance floor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You dance with the one who brought you. Worship. Worship. You know, it's all about spiritual exercises. You know, I try to hang around pastors that believe in spiritual exercises. They believe in the Word of God and prayer and worship. Amen? Because we need to do spiritual exercises. We don't need to be lethargic, you know. We came in here. We prayed. We worship. We're getting into the word. How many of you understand what I'm saying? You did spiritual exercises today for your spirit man. And your spirit man will thank you. Ah, uh, thank you. Why? Because why do we want to be the Laodicean church? They talk about the seven churches in Revelation. We're in the Laodicean period. Not me, baby. You can be Laodicean. <laughs> I'm not going to be Laodicean. So we go through all of this. And then, of course, we have Pastor Randy's ordination with uh, uh, Rabbi Ralph Messer and, and everything. And, and so he's actually officially uh, ordained. And uh, 
How many of you remember that? Wasn't that a great time? And Pastor Randy, he's, of course, the, the youngest, you know, in his family, and, and God chose him, amen? You might be the baby of the family. God's going to use you, amen? So he, he was the youngest, like David was the youngest, amen? Moses was the youngest. So if you're young, youngest in your family, you know, God can God use you as well. So we went to four places. Now we're going to our fifth meeting place, the Crown Plaza Hotel, Started a meeting at the Crown Plaza Hotel. How many of you remember that? Our fifth meeting place. This was a very interesting place. Um, actually, it's located right off the, uh, I want to say, what, 92? Highway 92? Over there? By 301? But um, Martin Luther King, yeah. So, of course, contained within here, we got to do Torah studies. Shabbat services and a Passover celebration, amen? You can see all three of those. Torah studies, Shabbat services, and Passover celebrations. So we got to do all these things at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Once again, our first Torah cycle, 1999, fall of 1999. So it's 2016. So you understand why we're in our 18th Torah cycle. Isn't that the coolest thing, everybody? Seriously. That is the coolest thing. How many of you love the Torah? Amen. And then, of course, you know, Pastor Randy and, and Pastor Tifa decided, you know what? We need to somehow get this message out over the summer because the spring feasts have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled. We want to reach out and teach people about the fall feast and teach the Christians about the fall feast. And so if we have a, a Tabernacle of David conference, we could do that. Amen. The first annual restoration of the Tabernacle of David conference. You can read about that, of course, where? In Amos and, of course, also in the book of Acts. So from the year 2001 to 2010, for 10 years, we had this conference. Some of you remember that? Pretty cool, huh? So we would go and run out of hotel and have breakout sessions and celebrations and evening worship services. And well, wasn't there some good memories? Awesome time. God is so awesome. Amen. And it went really, really well, and, and we had a, a good attendance as well. And so, of course, the, the Father moved us on from there. He released us from that season, and we started to save up, of course, for the sanctuary. But now we're going to go to our sixth meeting place, Dominion Christian Center. We call this the bubble. How many of you remember the bubble? It actually needed air to stay puffed up, you know? And if you didn't shut the doors, the building would come crashing down. Shut the doors, shut the doors. How many of you have seen the bubble before? Have you seen a, a building that's the bubble and it's, it's, it's air keeps it up? It, it's, it's incredible. It's just fascinating. So here it was out, you know, out in Mama, and this is Dominion Christian Center, and uh, you can see this picture of a group of people here, and uh, we're so grateful um, to, of course, uh, Rook Ministries now is... Uh, was called Dominion Christian Center Rock Ministries with uh, Pastor David Jones. How many of you know Pastor David Jones? So um, anyway, he actually succeeded uh, Pastor Bernie Brewster and uh, doing very well. And so we can see this bubble. And uh, let's get a few pictures of that. If you'll notice, you'll see that. The cool thing about the bubble is high ceilings. You know what I'm saying? High ceilings. So you can see us in this particular bubble. 
in uh, celebrating the Shabbat and doing worship and everything. It was a great experience, amen? Just a real good experience. We're going to move on now to April 28, 2002, uh, Pastor Nick's ordination. Uh, I'll never forget, my father-in-law kept pursuing me uh, early on that year. He goes, listen, we're going to ordain you this year. We're going to ordain you. I want you to be ready. I said, no, I'm, I'm all right. I'm good. And this is April 28th of 2002. He says, no, I'm going to get Rabbi Messer down here. We're going to ordain you and, and your wife, my daughter, Danielle, and we're going to ordain you. I said, all right. So I gave in. And so you can see... Uh, my wife and I there, and, and Rabbi Messer, and of course, my father-in-law laying hands on us and everything. And the next picture, of course, I like this picture. It's like, this is my little geisha girl. So I just bowed my head and said, you know what? If this is what he wants to do, then this is what he wants to do. Amen. And, and my, my father-in-law was tough, everybody. He didn't cut me any slack. He was hard. He was tough. You know, he would get on to me, and I'd just, you know, suck it up, you know. Got to, you know, put more chairs over here. Pick this up. Do that. You need to do this. You need to do that, you know. I already had a full-time job, too. And so it was like a good experience, though, because I just appreciated that I got to be a part of something, you know. Uh, how many of there's a difference between leading and following? How many of there's a big difference between being a sheep and a shepherd? So I felt like just a little obedient sheep and whatever he wanted me to do, I would do and, and, and this and that and just give my best and do my best. And they, of course, promoted me to, to worship leader and everything like that, which is a lot of fun. Uh, uh, that's a funny story, you know. I grew up and I, I, didn't, I, I don't know any hymns. I was brought up Catholic, you know. Michael rode the boat ashore. Uh, you're not doing that one. So... They give me this cassette with these messianic songs on it. Can I go there? Can I share this little story with you? You're going you're gonna to laugh. But if you don't laugh, I'll tell another story. <laughs> so I get this cassette to learn these Hebrew songs. I don't even speak Hebrew. So I'm playing like Jim Croce and the Eagles, you know. And, and I get this Hebrew song list and everything. And the guy is playing it on the keyboard. He's very good. And he's... And, and he's putting it, and they have it on the cassette, and then, they, of course, they gave me the cassette. I kid you not, I'm listening to the cassette. You know the Walkman? Oh, yeah, we're going way back. So I got the cassette in, forward, rewind. And so he's singing this song, and all of a sudden I hear, you know, it's dogs trying to get in for the sliding glass doors. You know how they do that? I'm like, what is he mixing back there? You know, and then all of a sudden I hear, you know, he's like singing, you know, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. And I hear dogs in the background. Shabbat, 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 Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. And I said, man, this guy's mixing in dogs and stuff. And I found out through Pastor Randy, the guy had dogs. It's my story and I'm sticking to it. But this is interesting. Here it goes. Our seventh meeting place, Embassy Suites. How many of you love Embassy Suites? Oh, yeah. Great continental breakfast. So anyway, we're at the Embassy Suites, seventh meeting place, right? Seven means what? Oh, completion, rest. Somebody help me. Seventh meeting place, Embassy Suites. So Pastor Randy sees the for sale sign. 
out here on this property because he's right down the street here and he noticed it was for sale and it was owned by the Seventh-day Adventist Brandon Church, Brandon Seventh-day Adventist. So he approached the, the, the church leadership, the pastor and the board, and he went before them and they said, Mr. Dreyer, I'm sorry, but we're not gonna sell this for, for retail or commercial use. We only wanna sell it to Sabbath keepers. We want to sell this property to those that will keep the Sabbath. And he said, oh, he goes, that's what we're all about. We believe in the Sabbath. So he had a big conversation with them. They sold us the property. Amen? It used to be orange groves and everything. So let, let's look at those pictures. So we're in the embassy suites, but look at this property. Now, if we danced in the living room, what are you going to do on the property? You don't need a living room. You don't need carpet, do you? Adam and Eve didn't have carpet. So we, we prayer over the land. Mrs. Campbell, amen. Do you see it? The banners and I don't know what they're saying in that. Oh, I think it says life is good. The little caption up there, I don't know, it's real small. And then below it says, wish you were here. So everything was overgrown. It's almost five acres, this property. It's got a history. How many of you understand what I'm saying? It's got a history. So here we are preparing to enter the land. We need bushwhackers and weed eaters and hatchets and axes. And I mean, it was really overgrown a lot. And we had a lot of help removing this. And we would just come out every week. My father-in-law just loved coming out here, man, you know. I'm like, man, give me a day off, would you? Come on, we're going to the land. <laughs> all right, all right. Next day, come on, we're going to the land. <laughs> I was there yesterday. Now we're going to go again. Come on over to the land. Look at the next picture. You see Pastor Randy there with his back to us, bottom left-hand corner. Hard to make out anybody, but we're, uh, we're clearing the land. I know Tony and Sherry were here for that. So here it is. It's all kind of overgrown and everything. Let's look at this next picture. It's an aerial view of the property. Can you see it? It's pretty overgrown, isn't it? I mean, it's overgrown. There's nothing there. You see it? It's, it's really overgrown. I like this next picture. It says here, when will I get pruned? <laughs> I know pruning is painful. I, don't, I, don't, I just want to produce fruit. Don't prune me. But pruning brings fruit. You know, people always say, well, I don't feel like I'm bearing fruit. Maybe God's pruning you. Do you know that Hayovel is going to be going into the pruning season for the grapevines, right? I think it's coming up. Maybe he's kind of snipping some stuff off you right now. Just take it easy. Take it easy. Let him prune you. Then you can bear fruit. Let's look at this next picture. Hey, who's that at the bottom? Who, that's Tony and Sherry. Look at that. They'll tell you some memories. How many sessions of therapy did you guys have to have to stay here? Whew, it was some hard work back then. But it's the body of Christ. How many of you that you give to what you believe in? I, I mean, you know, and right now people are going goo goo gaga over college football. They believe in it. They'll put money into it. Their team will lose, and they'll do it again and again and again. They believe in it. You always give to what you believe in. And that's the whole thing. That's why Beit Tehillah is where it's at. 
because people believed in Beit Tehillah. So many people were so grateful for that are no longer even here. Some have passed away. We're so grateful for everybody that joined forces and got us to where we're at. Hundreds of people. I mean, my, my father-in-law could tell you story after story. When we get to heaven, he's going to go over all this with you about the favor of the Lord, and people would just help him, and people did things. Just People didn't even know what was going on. They did stuff. You know, like this, this fence that's in the back, this contractor came out and says, what do you need? He didn't even know the guy. Just through word of mouth, he says, well, the county says I got to put a wooden fence up. He goes, I'll do it for you for nothing. I'll do it. So, you know, the driveway, you know, the things that are going on. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So he, the first building was, we call it the storehouse, the Quonson Hut. Now, why my father-in-law wanted a Gomer Pyle building, I don't know. His father was in the military. He wasn't. But I know he liked that, that, that style of building. And actually, it's hurricane-proof up to 200-mile-per-hour winds, that Quonson hut. 